0: Our text for this afternoon is Ephesians chapter 5. Lord willing, we'll make it from verses 7 through 14. And this is God's holy word for us today. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And Christ will shine on you. Will you pray with me, friends? Father, again we pray. And it won't be long this time, Lord. We just ask you would you do an absolute miracle and make it where your people hear your voice in your word with life change for your glory? And bring people to yourself by the power of your spirit working in your word let us lift high the gospel let us be challenged to obey and that's our prayer in Christ's name amen you may be seated Jesus said that the church is the light of the world and he also called himself the light of the world but John was clear that people, mankind, love darkness instead of light because our deeds are evil In the Old Testament, God led the Israelites through the dark of night in the desert by a pillar of fire, a blazing light in the sky. And almost any people of any culture around the world would understand the illustrative concept of light or dark as images or signs of good versus evil, right? Light represents what's honest and what's good. What is a thing to be seen? Darkness represents evil and danger and that which is hidden. You know, good people do business in the daytime. Criminals do business in the dark. Now, obviously, we know that's an illustration. This is not the Bible knocking somebody who works the night shift, but it's a figurative way for us to see the opposite sides. Good, evil, good, evil, right? It's just, they're, they're separate, they're apart, And today in the word of God, God is going to call you and me to walk as children of the light. He's going to call us to live and to think differently than the sinful world around us. And as we consider the contrast between light and dark, we will find six points to write down. Three of them will come as we think about the light, and three of them will come as we think about maybe how we respond to darkness. So... With all that said, beginning with the call to walk in the light of Christ, we better get started or we'll never get finished. So, point number one, are you guys ready? Okay, thank you. One, remember your new identity in Christ. Remember your new identity in Christ. How many of you, that's a familiar sermon point? Two of you paid attention last week. I'm so glad. (laughs) Look at verses 7 and 8 again. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. That was the text we studied last week. And we're not going to spend a lot of time unpacking it today because we spent a lot of time unpacking it last week. But this is a necessary foundation for where we're going. Remember, in Ephesians, for three chapters, Paul showed us the gospel and the gospel's implications, right? The gospel includes God saving sinners, and the gospel includes God making for himself one new people, a new nation, made up of people from all backgrounds, and God calls us God calls us to be first and foremost committed to him and to his church because we are now the new people of God. And then in chapter 4, in chapter 4, Paul calls on Christians to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. We are to live as new people because we've been saved by Jesus. Verse 7, here in this text, he called us, Don't be partners with those who don't know and love the Lord. You're not supposed to take part in their immoral thinking. You're not supposed to take part in their choices for behavior. Choices that Paul said was bringing the wrath of God on the world. And instead of partnering with the world, we are to remember that we are something new. If we are in Christ, we're not part of the world. We've been changed. We used to be darkness. Now God has made us into light in Christ. And last week, we saw that we have a brand new identity in Jesus. No matter what you were before your faith, everything, everything changes. You used to be dead in sin, but God made you alive in Jesus Christ. Is that not good news, by the way, friends? Yeah. Your commitments, therefore, when you were dead in your sin, your commitments used to be to this particular people group or this particular cause. But now your commitment is primarily to Jesus Christ and the people of God. And everything you do after your salvation should be aimed at the glory of God. Now, that's last week's sermon. And you say to yourself, you could have preached that a lot faster then. Let's move forward and let's find some more thoughts that we didn't get to last week that'll help us walk in the light. So point number two, remember God's ways are good. Remember that God's ways are good. Look at verses 8 through 10, the end of 8 through 10. Walk as children of light, parenthesis, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That little section reads, oddly, because you have a short little compound sentence, but there's a parenthesis in the middle. If you take the sentence without the parenthesis in the middle, it just says, walk as children of light and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Very simple sentence. We're going to look at that sentence as one unit in our next point. But for this one, let's go ahead and let's look at the parenthesis so we can deal with it, okay? It says, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. What God wants you to see, what God wants me to see here is a powerfully important fact. So don't lose me here. Light is good. God's ways are good. And we want to follow God we want to walk as children of the light because god's ways are good again what's the fruit of light what's the result of light what's the result of the moral goodness of god well the three words here are pretty simple r kent hughes in his commentary on this says this quote here in verse 9 good means something like generosity right means integrity in all dealings with god and man And finally, true refers to the absence of falsehood and deception. These are the ethics of light. When the light of Jesus is refracted through the prisms of our lives, there will be sanctifying shades of light for others to see. That's nice, right? Okay, so let me ask you, you can participate with me. When you think about generosity, integrity, and honesty, do you think those are good or bad things? Good things, that's right. That's not even hard, right? All who are not utterly morally perverse see those three things as good things. We see them as characteristics that we want in ourselves, in our children, in our friends. Well, what if you roll all three of those descriptors together? What do you get? You know what you get? You get the idea that the fruit of the light of God is genuine goodness in many forms. God's ways are good I keep saying that. It's important you get it. You might say to me, Travis, that's obvious, right? God's ways are good. I know, I know. Very good. And I think it's still a bigger necessity than you realize for you to consider. And it's more important you consider that God's ways are good. It's more important today than it ever has been before. Why? We live in a world, friends, that calls evil good and calls good evil. We live in a world that is calling darkness light and is calling light darkness. And if you and I wish to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, to walk worthy of the Lord, you and I must constantly remind ourselves that regardless of what the world around us says is good, the fruit of God's light is that which is good and that which opposes God's light is that which is evil no matter how powerful popular that evil has become so christian i'm gonna ask you some questions do you see every law every command every action of god as good do you see every fruit of the ways of god as good because after all god's world word does tell us This is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, 5. So let's remember some things God has said and you think with me about whether these are good, okay? God says we should have no other gods before him. Is that good? I hope you think so. God says that those who worship false gods are destined for his wrath. Is that good? God says that children, hey children, God says children should obey their parents. Is that good? <laughs> parents are like, amen. The God Bible says husbands should lovingly lead their wives. Is that good? God says that murder, adultery, theft, lying, and greed are all wrong. Is that good? God tells us that gender is sect that sexuality is subject to God's restrictions, and that marriage is about uniting one man and one woman for life. Is that good? God says we obey our governmental leaders, even if we don't like the law, even if we feel the law is unfair, so long as that law does not command us to disobey the command of God. So long as the law doesn't say, don't do a thing God says do, or so long as the law doesn't say, say, do a thing God says not to do. Is that good? God says that everyone who is in Christ belongs to a new nation, a new people group, and that our old divisions are done away with. Is that good? God says Jesus is the only way anybody will ever be saved. Is that good? If you're honest, though, friends... I think you'll understand that there are some of the commands of God. They're still popular today. But many of the things God has told us about himself and about his ways are now taboo. It is hard in a community full of pride flags to stand for traditional marriage. It is hard when surrounded by social justice virtue signaling to stand for a biblical understanding of race and justice. It is hard when surrounded by aggressive secular feminism to stand for a biblical understanding of the home. It is hard when surrounded by those with a naturalistic worldview to stand for a biblical view of creation. So I would suggest Christians... That the only way you will ever actually cling to the right when it becomes difficult is for you to believe, deep down believe, and regularly remind yourself that God's ways are good. It is good for you to walk in light. Light is good, no matter what the world thinks. Light is good and true and right. And light leads you to live in ways that are good and true and right. But Christian, if you let a lost world that stands opposed to the word of God convince you that God's word and God's ways are not light but darkness, you will dishonor the Lord. Isn't that true? Bless you. Isn't that true that... So many of the errors that have come into the church have come in when people have decided we no longer agree that what God has said is a good thing. If you let the world convince you that history's right side is the opposite of the Word of God, you're going to turn against the Lord. If you let Hollywood or a college professor or a stranger on the internet or a relative convince you that there is something wrong with the commands of God, that the word should be taken with a grain of salt, that a more loving, more open world would not embrace scripture, if you do that, you're headed for a fall. Remember God's word, God's ways, God's light is good so that you can walk in light. Now, third point. Still with me? Okay. Study how to please God. Point three, study how to please God. Ephesians 5, verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So now we're to the sentence. Walk as children of light and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. We have a new identity in Christ. We are to walk according to that identity. We know that the ways of God are all good, and the fruit of walking in light is good. And I've reminded you that you need to remind yourself that God's word and God's ways are good, not evil like society would say to you. But what else do we need if we wish to walk in the light? The Bible says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That is a really simple sentence, but critical. Try try. That means you put forth personal effort. Try to do what? Try to discern, to understand, to comprehend, to get, to grasp what is pleasing to God. So Christian, listen to me, Christian. It is your job to do work to find out what honors God. It's all of our jobs to learn and to live what pleases the Lord. So how do we find out what pleases the Lord? That's a big question. And I will tell you without any any confusing ex- extra answers here. There's only one way. There's only one way. There's only one place you can go that you can find out that which pleases the Lord. Any trouble guessing what that is? It's the word of God. It's the Bible. You can't find out what pleases God anywhere else. Psalm 119 verses 9 through 11 read for us. How can a young man keep his way pure? Answer, by guarding it according to your word. He says, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In the New Testament, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, super familiar words remind us that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If you wish to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, you must Look to the word of God. The Lord only shows us what is his heart, his will, his pleasure through his word and its faithful application. You do not have a source of knowing God and God's desires outside of or disconnected from his holy word, the Bible. I don't think I can be clearer than that. So then, how do I study what pleases God? I study God's Word. And I'm going to give you three ways to think about that. One of them, you should personally be spending time in God's Word. Indeed. On a regular basis, Christian, you should be in the Word. At this era of history, and this time in history, Don't you guys know, God has given us an amazing amount of access to the Word. Where do you read your Bible? You read it on paper? Do you read it on something electronic? Do you do both, right? You can read the Bible yourself. If you struggle to read, maybe you're not a good reader, you can listen to the Bible being read to you by somebody else. You've got the Bible on paper. You've got the Bible on a smartphone. You've got the Bible on the internet. You have the word of God ready for you to study it all over the place. So rejoice in that. And I would say this, Christian, take time. I would recommend every day. I can't make that a law. I just think it's really smart. Take time. I would recommend every day to get into the word of God. How? Set aside a place that you're going to read. Set aside a time that you're going to read schedule it so you don't miss it then what do you do go to that spot at that time pray open the word and read it ain't complicated i would recommend reading with a plan with a strategy of some sort right don't i would not suggest just haphazardly flipping to a page and starting i would i would follow something that would guide you and if you need help let me know i would love to talk to you about some good ideas that you might use if you don't have any plan for bible reading Read a chapter. Read a couple of chapters. Listen as you read those chapters for the Lord to show you from the Word what pleases Him. And, and, and write it down. Take note of the things that would stand out to you and respond to what God's Word says through prayer, through obedience to the Lord. What else besides reading God's Word personally will you do to study to learn what pleases God? regularly christian you should be sitting under the preached word of god as part of your local church there is something special about the people of god in a local congregation gathered together to hear the word of god preached there's something special something supernatural something god glorifying that happens in that moment and listen to me you need to know this the preacher does not need to be special Aren't you glad about that? I'm glad about that, let me tell you. Because I know me, and I know I'm not special. The preacher does not have to be the dynamic big stage conference speaker with the book deals and stuff like that. In fact, sometimes if that's your only feeding, there's a little danger there that you'll begin to idolize men. All the preacher needs to be is faithful and clear, opening the word of God for the congregation. And in that setting, God does special work in the hearts of his people to teach them how to please the Lord. And yes, use other tools that will help you too. Third thing, study the word. Maybe that means that you read good books on biblical topics by solid authors who love the word. You might take a class. You might participate in a study group that opens the word faithfully with each other. You might join in one of, our, one of the D groups that we're getting started in our church. And, and what is that? By the way, Margie asked me this morning in an email. So if you're watching, Margie, you can find this out. The, the D group is a group of people that get together every week for about a year or so and they agree that they're going to read the word together, they're going to memorize some scripture together, and they're going to hold each other accountable lovingly uh, to what each other is learning in the word of God they're going to read, they're going to write some things down they're going to share it together and just encourage each other for a year, it's a really cool thing, y'all want, want to know more about that, talk to me afterwards and I'll help you, now I want you to be aware of something because you'll find this happening when you study the Word and others in your church study the Word, there will be times that some Christians will disagree. Have you guys ever seen that? Have you ever seen, I don't know, like a hot-button, difficult, present social issues where Christians are all reading the Word and coming to different conclusions? Ever? Yes. Is that because one group is good and the other is really bad? I guess it could be but there are times when Christians will see this biblical principle in play and this biblical principle in play and one group is going to emphasize one side really strong and the other group is going to emphasize another side really strong and neither one will actually be wrong and in a time like that be gracious be kind to each other hold to the word of God and be sure that everything you do in your word and in your thought and in your deed is based on the word of God for the glory of God while being sweet and kind and gentle and gracious to the people in the family of God. Yes? Yes. I want you to remember this though. God calls you, you personally, to try to discern what pleases him. Look to God's word. Find out what is good and right and true from God's word. Don't be influenced by false interpretations that would pretend that the Bible doesn't say what what the Bible clearly says. Be connected intentionally to a local church where the word is faithfully taught. Study how to please God. That's God's command for you Christians. All right, you still with me? All right, good. Now, We've been called to walk in the light. And we've seen you need to remember your new identity in Christ. You need to remember that the word and the ways of God are good. And you need to take up the responsibility to personally study how to please God. But walking in the light, even with those things, is not as easy as it may sound because we live in a world that is altogether dark. So let's think about walking in light while living in a dark world as we look at verses 11 to 14 and that takes us to point number four. Point four. Expose dark deeds. Expose dark deeds. Look at verse 11. It says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but but instead expose them. So if the fruit of the light is what God shows us to be good, right, and true, the unfruitful deeds of darkness are the opposite. In context, if you look at this chapter from verses 3 through 6, we've already seen that the fruitless deeds of darkness include rebellion against God in the area of marriage and sexuality, in evil speech and covetousness, which is idolatry. But if we apply our minds to the word of God and to what is good, I think we know that the deeds of darkness cover a great variety of evils, don't they? Darkness includes all that opposes the Lord in all things. So evil governments, which do exist for sure, darkness. Evil personal practices, evil philosophy, evil forms of entertainment. All evil is darkness. And we are not, get this, does does the command at the beginning of 11 shock you? You and I are not to take part with the darkness. Does that surprise you, Christian? If you've been in, in Ephesians through five chapters and this one's a shocker, you haven't been reading well. But maybe not as obviously, we are to expose those things. We do not ignore them. We do not play the ostrich and put our head down in the sand, right? We shine light on darkness. Now, here's a question. How do you shine light on darkness? How do you expose darkness with light? I'm going to show you two ways. One, you might call a passive way. And this is part of what this means, no doubt. Christians expose the darkness of the world when they live in the deeds of light. When we live in the fruit of God's Spirit, that exposes darkness. We should be exposing darkness by our lives because when the world sees how you live, it should be flat different than how the world lives. Think about Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe that will help you here. In Matthew 5, 14 to 16, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Listen to this. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see, what, what, see what? Your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. If you look at what Jesus then says for the rest of Matthew chapter 5, after that command to let your light shine, He tells us to be different from the world in how we handle anger and lust and sexual immorality and promises and marriage and divorce and conflict. Our good words, our different lives, our weird morality, because the world thinks our morality is weird. Our weird morality should shine out into a world that does things and values things differently. See, Christians need to be the ones who have lasting marriages when the world is embracing divorce. Christians should be the ones who have orderly households when the world falls apart because they seek to throw off all authority. Christians should embrace purity when the world dives headlong into decadence. This is not because we're better people, because we are not better people. It's because we serve a holy God, a God the world hates. And part of exposing the deeds of darkness then, Christian, is that you would have a life that looks different than the world around you. Not smugly, not selfishly, not thinking you're good, but just different for the glory of God. So Christian, I want you to ask yourself, does your life expose anything of the darkness of the world? Is there anything about how you live, about how you speak, about how you love? Is there anything about it that looks different than the people around you who don't know the Lord? Because if there's nothing about your life that looks different than the world around you, you are not exposing anything of the world's darkness with the light of Christ. That's the passive way. There's an active way that we also may expose the deeds of darkness. Sometimes it is necessary as a Christian to speak out to make the world aware of the darkness in its midst. When William Wilberforce spoke out in the British Parliament in the late 1780s, he exposed for people to see the darkness and evil of the slave trade. That was good. When U.S. soldiers liberated concentration camps in 1945, they sent back pictures and they exposed the evils of the Holocaust to a world that flat couldn't believe that could happen. Even today, Christians are using high-tech ultrasound technology to show the world that babies in the womb are living people and they have exposed and they continue to expose the darkness and evil of the abortion industry. Christians, we cannot stand by silently and raise no opposition to the evil that's in the world. Our voice should be heard opposing the darkness of sin. We should make it clear that we're opposed to what? Well, human trafficking, racism, abortion, the destruction of the family, the redefinition of marriage, the soul-destroying industry of pornography, abuse... In all its forms, the dangers of drug and alcohol abuse, and a host of other issues, right? We're opposed to lots of stuff because the world comes up with lots of ways to rebel against God. We should be clear about that. And now, here's where living in community as a church, here's where living along with Christians with wisdom is really vital, so don't check out on me here either. Do you think, honestly, that it's possible for any one person to speak out clearly against all the evils and all the injustice and all the darkness in the world? Do you think you've got time to do that? I mean, honestly, can you oppose every evil right now, be an activist in everything? I don't think so. You can say I'm anti-evil in general, that's fine, but you don't have time to go to every rally, do you? Or to write a big, long post on every topic. You don't have enough money to give to everything that needs to be opposed, right? There are too many evils out there. And there are a lot of good causes out there that need help. There are so many things that need to be exposed that if you took it on yourself, the duty to expose all the evil in the world, you would never ever look or think about anything else. And that means that we need to pray and think together wisely about the pressing issues in our particular settings so we can most wisely and most effectively shine light into a dark world and expose the deeds of darkness. So Christian, it is true, you might need to speak out actively to expose the darkness of the world, but it's possible, and this is the caution I want to give us here, it's possible... That you may have a passion to expose a cause. That the person sitting next to you is going to agree, yeah, that's true. But they don't have the same level of passion as you have regarding that particular issue. And my, my, my counsel here is to be wise, kind, and gracious with each other. And help each other. Don't silently ignore the deeds of darkness, right? Prayerfully, wisely shine the light of the word of God and the gospel of Christ into the world. But it may be that one of you is really passionate about helping those who are trafficked. Is that a good thing to be passionate about? It is. But there may be another person who's really passionate about adopting orphans from international orphanages. Is that good? Yeah. And there may be another person who's super passionate about going out and speaking out against the sin of abortion, and that's good. And there may be another person who's super passionate about getting the word out about the persecuted church around the world, and that's good too. And when you find out that you all have these different passions, love each other and encourage each other and be understanding with each other and care for each other as you all expose the deeds of darkness in the ways that fit your abilities, your bent, and your experiences. Let me give you another quick caution here. Point number five, and it is a quick one. Be careful handling dark topics. Point number five, be careful handling dark topics. Look at verse 12. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Isn't that funny? Paul says, you guys need to expose the deeds of darkness. And then in the very same breath, Paul tells you, it is shameful even to mention what they do in secret. Does that make you feel awkward? A little bit? What is it? This is a very well-needed caution. Again, I will tell you there's two temptations towards sin that Paul's guarding us against here because they can overcome us when we deal with the darkness of the world. One of them is that you could begin to enjoy the stories of darkness. Do you all know what I'm talking about there? There was a time a while ago I read a book with a group, and it was one of those books attempting to help young men battle, guard against lust. Guard against pornography, guard against sexual sin, strive toward purity. But the author in the book, in every single chapter, told stories of his experiences with way too much detail. And I would never, ever recommend that book to another man. Because the stories actually could... Stir someone up to think about their sin more than it does to drive them toward purity. Listen to the warning that God gives people in Galatians 6, helping people turn from sin. Galatians 6 1 reads, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. But listen to the next thing he says. He says, Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Sometimes people are titillated by the stories of the evil that they oppose. Be honest, Christians. Have you ever sat around with Christians who start telling stories of their past and they are rolling around in them a little bit too much? Kind of glorifying how bad they were? Some people love just to savor the ugliness of what they can expose. Some people just roll around in the gory details, right? But friends, in general, that's not godly. It's dangerous, and we have to know that even as we expose the deeds of darkness, it is shameful to speak of it. That doesn't mean don't speak about it, but understand that it's a thing you handle with care. Now, there's another sin that we need to avoid here, though, and that's the sin of being cruel or crass or crude as as we address the darkness of the world because sometimes we can speak in a shameful way of the dark that we oppose and y'all will see this from time to time people who are christians but they're using foul language they're using the calling of really ugly inappropriate names they're they're, they're using nasty forms of speech they're being dishonest as they supposedly oppose darkness Sometimes, if we're not careful, we will begin to behave with sinful words and sinful attitudes and sinful arrogance, even while we think we're speaking out against genuine evils that need to be exposed. So, let me remind you, Christians guard against immorality. Don't learn to love the ugly, sordid details of the evil that you oppose, and guard yourself so that you're never tempted to to fall in with the evil you oppose. And guard that you don't oppose sin with sinful behavior. Right? You don't want to sin to fight sin. That's counterproductive. It's dishonoring the Lord. Walking as light in darkness is dangerous. Exposing evil deeds is precarious. So be careful handling dark topics. Last point, point number six. Some of you thought, he'll never get six if he only got what he got last week. Point six, awaken others with the gospel. Awaken others with the gospel. Look at verse 13 and 14. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. So everything we just said can feel really overwhelming, right? But there's a thing that is the best, clearest solution of all for this dark world. And the solution, I want you to hear me here, is not political action. Now, Is there anything wrong with political action? No. Go after it. But the solution for the world is not, we're not going to fix this world by politics. The solution for the world is the saving grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the light of the word of God is shined into the world, dark deeds become visible. But our goal, our goal is not just to expose the dark deeds. Our goal is not to be the grumpy, frumpy Christian out there griping about how ugly the world is. We want to see darkness overcome by light. We want to see the world changed. We want to see people changed. We want them to have hope. How in the world is the world going to have hope? Here, Paul's quoting probably some scripture, maybe even it arranged as a first century hymn, we are reminded of the way he presents the gospel. Because Paul says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He says, arise from the dead. Does that give you any language from chapter 2 of Ephesians? You were dead in your sins and trespasses before Christ came and made you alive. The dark world is still dead in sin. And get this, no amount of your moral light or my moral light, no amount of your political activity or mine will save their souls. I'm not saying it's wrong to try to do right in the world, but it's not going to save people. They, no amount of moral light will save them. They need to rise from the dead. They can only find life when the light of Christ shines upon them. See, our message for the lost world is not y'all need to be better. We will, Christians, we will always try to make the world, we'll point them to biblical justice, we'll point them to biblical morality. But the lost world doesn't need to improve, they need to be raised from the dead. Our solution for the world is to point them to Jesus Christ. All people have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. All people can only be forgiven by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. So let me urge you, if you're hearing this and you've never come to Jesus for life, I want you to know that's your only hope. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus died to pay for our sins. Jesus rose from the grave. And if you want forgiveness, if you want life, if you want to be okay with God, you must let go of the control of your life, believe in Jesus, and ask Jesus, please, Jesus, save my soul. And if you've never come to Jesus for salvation, I would plead with you, do that today. Now, here's the good news. For everyone who will put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ... He has let his light shine upon us. He has awakened us and brought us out of a state of spiritual death. And now we can honor the Lord as we walk in his light. So let's roll this all together. Now, Christian, remember you have a new identity in Christ. Remember God's ways are all good all the time. Study how to please God. Yes, expose dark deeds, but be careful not to be drawn into sin while you do it. And take the gospel into the lost world so they can see the light of Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, this is a good word. It really is. And it is a hard word because it goes against so many parts of our nature. I would plead with you, Lord. Work in us. Work through us. Work by your spirit in your word to change us and help us walk in light for your glory. If there's anybody, Lord, who's hearing this message who does not have Jesus as their Savior, I would ask you, God, please, please save their soul. Awaken them. And if there's anyone, Lord, who maybe we know you, but we haven't been following you, help us to repent. If there's anyone who needs to be committed to a local church who's just flopping around in the breeze right now, draw them there that they might do the things you command. In all things, Lord, help us love and honor you. God, be glorified. We pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.